to another episode of Angry Girl Music, the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope some of you made it out to some shows over the weekend. The summer is heating up, and I'm currently recharging from three nights straight of music. I was thrilled to see and hang out with my new friends in Palomino Blonde. They were such awesome house guests. We got to watch them play a really cool gig at a place I'd never been to, a literal shuffleboarding bar in Tampa, which was badass. Shuffle's sick, and it was really special to be able to see Palomino Blonde again. They are such a tight band, and oh my gosh, they definitely deserve all the recognition that's coming their way. And on top of that, I was able to see some longtime supporters photo fire. Um, I did a cool little premiere for them over at The Alternative. Check out their new single. It is sick, but they're always really good supporters of the podcast, too, so shout out to them. And I got to see Snacking, too, which is always wonderful. And on top of that, I ended the weekend in the most glorious way possible, and that was seeing podcast alum, retirement party, and expert timing over at Soundbar. It was just refreshing to see diverse lineups all weekend all over the area that I live in from Central Florida to Tampa Bay. And it's just so cool to see everybody thriving and kicking ass and they deserve all the opportunity, all the recognition. And a lot of these guys are doing a great job taking care of each other too. So shout out to that. Shout out to Prince Daddy Mahina for helping make some of that happen. It's super cool. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably sound exhausted, but you know what? I'm grinning from ear to ear. It was an awesome weekend. And yeah, everybody check out all these bands I just rattled off. They're all good people. They're all working hard to do stuff for each other, for um, diverse voices in the music community. And it's, it's just cool to see. But yeah, let's get into this week's episode. I'm joined by an artist I've long admired and respected in independent music. It's Ellen Kemper, also known as Palehound. Ellen is a powerhouse in indie whose music is always evolving with her own personal growth. It's so neat to see how her music has developed and changed since that nail, and it's exciting for me as a listener, for so many people who follow her music, and Black Friday is finally here. It's a collection of impactful personal tracks that explore her relationships and allow her to express her support of others through her music. Ellen joins to talk about her songwriting style, the meaning behind her new music, collaborating with other creatives, and so much more. So let's hear some Palehound and then dig into the interview.
Boston, so but I'm here for like a week um, doing some music stuff and hanging out with my partner's family. So it's a uh, feels like vacation. So I'm feeling extra good. Oh, that's so nice. I've been wanting to vacation on the West Coast, so it sounds like you're in a great spot to do that for a bit. Mm-hmm. Where do you Where are you living? I'm in actually St. Pete, Florida. Oh wow, cool. Yeah, I'm in a. It's a it's a cool spot to be because I'm only like an hour from Orlando, not too far from uh, Tampa either. It's only like 15 minute drive if traffic's good and stuff. So easy to get around all the fun stuff. Cool. Yeah, definitely. But oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I've been a fan of your music for some time and it's so cool that we were able to sync up like this. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I really love podcasts a lot. I've really gotten into podcasts the past year. So I'm uh, extra excited to be on a podcast right now. Oh my gosh, I love that. Podcasts are so much fun. Like when I've done other people's, I've always had a blast. And it's just, it's exciting. And you get to just kind of chat and chill. Yeah, for sure. I'm down to chat and chill, especially with that <laughs> cute puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bear's trying to kiss my face as we're talking. Oh my god, he is. He's such an angel, but you know, uh, talking about maybe a different hound, your, your act pale hound. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you end up with that name? I'm sure you get that question a lot, but I'm very curious. Yeah. You know, I don't really have like a great answer for that. I was kind of like, just kind of putting my stuff up on Bandcamp, And then Mm -hmm. when I got to the page where I was uploading I was like oh shit like I have to actually put a name that's mm-hmm. terrible so I started like anxiously thinking of names and um I guess I don't know I've always connected with dogs and I was thinking about like a ghost dog so that's kind of like where that came from but I was also like 18 and not really thinking very much and didn't <laughs> think that the project would reach more than like 10 people on band camp <laughs> so wow. um, yeah best way to be wrong though honestly with how many people you've touched with your music honestly (laughs) was that a surprise for you as things started to kind of build up yeah for sure it was like you know I don't know I feel like I was very encouraged to you know my parents were always really supportive of me playing music and and writing songs but I think the undertone of everything of course when you're a musician is like it's not gonna work it's not gonna work like it never works (laughs) like just so you know so when it started working and when people started listening to my songs on Bandcamp and when I got picked up by like a small label um that's kind of when it it was very surreal and it felt very like yeah it felt like a dream it didn't feel real at all it still doesn't feel real that it's continued to be successful so definitely well I'm so glad that it's happened for you because you people like me are just I feel like touched by your voice and the way that you do music but to kind of like step back a little bit I know you mentioned that your parents have been kind of encouraging for quite some time but how'd you kind of first get involved in music well, my dad is, um, he like has, he's a big music fan. So I grew up like him, you know, in, very enthusiastically showing me his favorite bands and his favorite songwriters. So, you know, he turned me on to like Joni Mitchell pretty early, stuff like that. And uh, he, I grew up with him like playing guitar and playing drums. So, and we are have always been really close. So it was kind of like a no brainer for me to start playing guitar because I wanted to like emulate him. <laughs> that way that's so nice when you have like that kind of role model in the house it's just like pushing you to just try things whether it's music itself or learning to play it too totally I was so so lucky yeah to have him that's so neat Mm -hmm. that goes such a long way too to like cultivate you as a young musician when do you first start picking up instruments 
Um, when I was seven, I started um, strumming my dad's guitar with a marker cap as a pick, <laughs> and, uh, oh <laughs> and he gave me some lessons. He taught me some chords and stuff after that, once he saw that I was into it, and then after a couple of home lessons from him, I started taking lessons at like the local music center. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm glad he was able to kind of get you started and then saw that you had that talent. Yeah, because I'm definitely, like, my whole life, I've been someone who, like, picks up hobbies and then ditches them, like, mm-hmm. weeks later, and I get really into something, and then I ditch it, so he definitely wanted to make sure <laughs> before he, like, you know, got me a guitar and stuff that I was I was actually in. That's so awesome, and, like, to, oh, has your dad ever talked to you at all about being able to think about you being, at like, seven years old, learning to play guitar, and then seeing what you're accomplishing now? Like, how's oh, that conversation go? Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, so into everything that I'm doing now. He has a Twitter that doesn't have a, an Avi or anything, and he doesn't follow anyone but, like, me and Bruce Springsteen and, like, <laughs> CNN or something. And he just, like, likes – I see him favorite every single thing I'm tagged in, basically. And he's just, like – he's on it. He, like, texts me about – like features and stuff before I even know that they've gone up, you know, and he's, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like definitely like going along for the ride with me and he's super, super into it. I love that. That kind of enthusiasm is so special and to have somebody who's been in your corner for that long is just so cool. It is. It's so great. Really lucky. I love that so much. Well, you mentioned that he shared like Tony Mitchell with you, of course, but um, were there other musicians or people around you that were also like influencing your taste in music and what would maybe eventually become your style? Yeah, like um, I, uh, you interviewed Sadie for this podcast, right? I did, I yeah. Really, yeah, I met her when I was like 13, but we like, and she's older than I am. She's like six years older than I am. And she became like an older sister to me mm-hmm. and started like showing me Liz Fair and the Breeders and all that 90s stuff that then totally blew my mind. And um, that's like where I kind of started realizing what I actually want to sound like. And, and the big one that she showed me was probably Elliot Smith. That's like, you know, he's my number one now, basically. So, yeah. She was definitely a big role model for music. Stuff. I can kind of see it because you both kind of have this uh, this knack for being really creative, like creative with like your lyrics, with the music itself and such. And I didn't realize that relationship was there. And I feel like, because I didn't want to like assume anything, but I'm like, wow, it feels like, you know, the music that you write and you play, it felt like it was um, almost connected in a way. It's very connected. Sometimes in Speedy. Yeah, she was like a she. She was definitely a hero for me, uh, as well as a best friend from an early age. So that's so awesome. Yeah, love Sadie. That's so cool, and I love that she she just continues to have that influence on so many people and stuff. I, I I know so many people who just like feel like their music careers are shaped from her influence and stuff. So that's so awesome to hear that she had a role in yours too. Uh, She's such a badass. I love her. (laughs) I just got to spend some time with her a couple weeks ago in Philly. And uh, I don't know, we, we, we really just like, when we hang out, we just like eat a lot and watch a lot of scary movies. And this time on this trip, me and her and her boyfriend, Dylan, who's in that band cloud nothings, Mm -hmm. um, the three of us, like, I don't know how it came up, but we started talking about Ben Folds because I was like really into Ben Folds when I was like 14 or 15. And we were driving somewhere and we put on that song Brick by Ben Folds 5 and the three of us just sat in silence driving, <laughs> listening to Ben Folds <laughs> for like 15 or 20 minutes. And um, I don't really know where that came from, but that was just, that's what happened the last time we hung out is that we, <laughs> we listened to a lot of Ben Folds. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. Oh my god, It gosh. was really funny. That sounds like such a great time. Like, damn, I, I feel like it'd be so much fun just sitting in the car with the three of you and just experiencing that would be so much fun. We were laughing pretty hard and, you know, it was an experience for sure. I love yeah. that so much. And like, I think that's, that's awesome because you have this awesome relationship with Sadie and I feel like that's kind of the crux of being involved in independent music is you form these really awesome relationships with people in music and you start down a really awesome path of just like making it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um really, especially cause I was so young when I started 
putting myself on Bandcamp, and then when I put myself on Bandcamp, it kind of went from there, mm-hmm. where it was like things kind of picked up, and um, I don't know how I would have handled it without having an older role model, for sure, because that's like a crazy whirlwind. I was like 18 or 19 mm-hmm. when I started releasing stuff as Pale Hound, and like, you know, the, the conversations that really grounded me during that process were the ones that I had with her, where she was like, you know, just because like, and she gave it to me real, you know, she was like, just because you're getting like this kind of press now doesn't mean that like, it's going to last forever and you have to work at this and you have to do this. And like, you know, and like, she really like, yeah, she was a voice that I needed at that time. Definitely. And this was probably, was this around the same era as you were starting to kind of release like your first EPs and everything too? Yeah, that's exactly when it was, was like when I was releasing the songs on Bent Nail EP Mm -hmm. and I was on Exploding and Sound Records and yeah, I was like on a record label for the first time. I like couldn't believe it, you know. And what an awesome label to be starting out with too. Totally. It was like, and I was already obsessed with that label because Speedy had been on it. So she, I, that's how I had like learned about that label and then I became like super obsessed with all the bands and they were Mm -hmm. all like my heroes so then when I got signed it was like you know it was like more exciting than if I had gotten signed to sub yeah I couldn't believe it so that's so cool and like what an awesome opportunity to have because it's like you're with this like really great quickly becoming reputable record label right and then you're able to experiment with so much of your sound too yeah it gave me a lot of freedom to make the music that I wanted to make because it was such a small label that it's like there's no expectations there which was like exactly what I needed Mm -hmm. at the time and um you know I I look at some young artists now who are like 18 or 19 and are getting signed to these huge labels like I look at someone like this is obviously a completely different end of the spectrum but I look at like Billie Eilish Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh my god that poor girl (laughs) like I remember what I was like at that age and even being on like a small indie rock label was really a whirlwind for my brain and was like hard for me to keep up with. I can't even imagine. Absolutely. And like the good thing about labels like Exploding and Sound, they have a really great reputation of like cultivating artists and helping them grow and like letting them explore their opportunities on their terms. And it felt like a family in that way, for sure. I mean, it was, the only thing was that there were not a lot of girls on the label at the time. So Mm -hmm. I was definitely like the young girl amongst like some older dudes, Mm -hmm. not older, but they they were like in their early 20s, but I was like, you know, younger still. Um, But they were also supportive, which was really cool. It was like, it was dudes, but they were like nice dudes who were like really, really nice and supportive and like didn't weren't condescending at all which was like also such a blessing looking back at that I took that I didn't realize how you know rare that was at the time yeah absolutely and it's nice whenever you actually have people who are like genuinely allies to you know making sure there's opportunities for you but also to make sure that like your music career succeeds period Mm -hmm. yeah and there wasn't like it it was not a competitive environment and like the rest of the industry is and so it was like a really good like baby step into being and like it taught me what I want out of this career and like what kind of people I want to be around and then after after um exploding in sound when I was starting to field offers for bigger labels mm-hmm. polyvinyl was a no-brainer because I saw a lot of like they had they shared a lot of the same ethos as exploding in sound where like it also felt like a family and it also mm-hmm. felt really encouraging and no bullshit and you know and so I, I being on exploding in sound definitely taught me what to look for in people and in the business especially yeah that's that's just so awesome because it's like you're able to have kind of like that larger next step at that point in your career but you're still working with the kind of people that genuinely care about you and your art yeah if they're not just seeing me as like a product they're seeing me as like a person mm-hmm. and an artist that they actually want to support because they like the music and not just because they think it'll get this many streams or this many this or you know so lucky again. yeah Definitely. And it like both of those labels have really, I feel like given you the opportunity to play with so many different types of like sounds, I would never begin to know what kind of genre to put you in because you've got so much dimension to your music. I mean, your earlier stuff sometimes sounds a little bit like psychedelic indie rock. And then Mm -hmm. there's so many like flavors and veins to what you're creating is like, I'm kind of curious, like what pushed you to kind of explore these different kinds of sounds? Was it just the music itself? It's just like how my music taste has changed and how my taste has shifted where it's like I try to emulate the bands that I like, you know, because I want to sound like the shit that I like. So like when I first started making music, I first started writing songs like for 
dry food. I was like really into pavement, which mm -hmm. you can hear in that. Like I, I haven't actually listened to dry food in years, but I imagine that you can probably hear me ripping them off a lot there. <laughs> like also into like, I was listening to some Mac DeMarco and I was listening to like, and I could, and like, so I was trying to emulate those people, but now as I'm growing, I'm like listening to different artists and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm touring with different artists and I'm meeting different artists and I'm being inspired left and right by so many people that it's like impossible for my, my sound to stay the same because I'm just like constantly absorbing influence and inspiration from other people. That's gotta be so great for your creativity and like, to kind of like branch off of that a little bit here, like how do you kind of approach your songwriting? Um, my songwriting has like, is a mess. <laughs> it's like, it's, there's no approach. It's really just like this, the most, I'm like a Gemini, so I'm all over the place. <laughs> like, um, I have like, my songwriting basically is like, basically like the notes section of my phone filled with like tons of weird like singular lyrics mixed in with a note about like my to-do list or something and it's like <laughs> impossible for me to even find all the lyrics because they're just mixed in with so many other things but and then it's like a ton of voice recordings and then I kind of like when I decide I want to sit down and work on a song I just like cut and paste different things together where I'm like oh this guitar part that I recorded a couple weeks ago actually kind of shares the sentiment of this lyric that I wrote down like six months ago <laughs> you know um yeah it's kind of like a big puzzle kind of I love that though because like that's sometimes how you end up with like the best unique piece because you're like you're just piecing together parts of your thoughts and things that you've jotted out over time and then it's clearly working for you because the way that things come together in your music is just so powerful Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, it definitely, like, I go through a lot of um, anxiety when I think about writing songs, especially sure. because, because I started so young and because I got a lot of really good, like, response to my first album and stuff. Like, I think since then, I've definitely developed this anxiety towards writing songs where it's like, what if it's not as good as what I did before? What if that mm -hmm. was it? What if, like, now I'm not going to write stuff that people don't like? What if people don't like what I do now? And so I do have to push through a lot of that anxiety, but um, I always end up kind of pulling something out of my ass. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are difficult moments and I can totally understand that because whenever you are somebody who's delivering as a creative and there are certain things that resound, it's, it's a challenge to find out what's going to be the next thing that's going to work for people. Yeah. And what I've learned is just to like, and as corny as the sounds, just to like stay true to myself as much as mm -hmm. possible because I'm, you can hear it when someone's ingenuine in their art and you can see it. And when I was like trying, there was a period of time where I was like writing songs, not for me. I was like writing songs thinking, what are people going to like? What, like after the last album, like if they liked dry food, what kind of song do I have to write now? Mm -hmm. And then I was writing shitty songs because of that. And then I started writing actual songs that made me feel good, mm -hmm. even if I was a little embarrassed and felt really vulnerable about them. And those are the songs that just ended up being, you know, working the best. Definitely. And it's like, you were able to do that so well with like, you know, I know that it was a, there was a, a lot of emotion and different ranges of emotion and like a place I'll always go. That was such a great record. Thank but you. like, I love how honest, empowering, and giving that, like, Black Friday felt as a record. Like, yeah. I feel like you showed so much of yourself there. It took a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, work to get to the place where I decided to record those songs, because I did this thing with Black Friday where I think the reason that I was able to get as vulnerable as I did was because I record, I wrote the songs completely alone. Mm -hmm. So I, I did like, I rented a practice space in Boston for a couple months and set up my dad's drums and like demoed out each song so that I knew exactly what I wanted them to sound like. And I didn't really bounce them off anybody else until mm -hmm. the song was completely finished and like ready to be, you know, evaluated, I guess. And so to be able to like be completely independent in that process, I think helped me to become more vulnerable as opposed to like writing with other people or writing and then sending and writing. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause if you're sharing it with other people when it's still kind of like in pieces, I'm sure that can 
be something that you feel kind of self-conscious of and you're wondering if you need to make changes along the way. Yeah, I had a lot of those fears. And even especially with Black Friday, I had a lot of fears about this record before I sent the demos to my label because Mm -hmm. not that my label by any means has any influence over my creative control. They're totally hands off with that, which is what I love about them. Um, They're the best with that. But I was really anxious when I was sending them the demos because I was like, these are not the shreddy guitar rock songs that they signed me for. Like, this is like so different I hope they like it kind of thing and then they did and they were so supportive which was really cool yeah but you were still able to pump so much like energy into these songs that maybe weren't as like traditionally shreddy that you would find in like that vein of indie rock it I feel like they were more energetic because they were more powerful you could connect to them even more deeply well that's I'm really happy to hear that that's how that came out it's just so hard for me to evaluate my own songs that way you know like to me it's it's all there's so much ego involved that Mm -hmm. my perception of my song regardless of how much I try to like cater my perception of it to one thing it's just not what other people are going to hear so it's like when I I still love to hear what people think about the songs because it's still so interesting to me because I just have such different perspectives on them and what I have such a different relationship with them oh definitely yeah because it's coming directly from your perspective versus how everybody else perceives them totally yeah um and I just there's so much (laughs) I'm gonna sound like I'm gushing here and I'm totally okay with that but like I love how much of like this record I felt like it was just so much of like you're analyzing concepts like bodies but like you're embracing that with like acceptance as like a theme and stuff um it's such a really great approach and how all these songs just feel like they resonate in that sort of theme and with that in mind. Like, was that something you were kind of going for as you were piecing together the record? No, um, I did not go into this record with any um, intention to have the record have a theme. That's Mm -hmm. never something that I, I try not to set expectations for my records because every time that I've done that, it's just turned out to be bad for me. And I just Mm -hmm. end up, panicking and starting over um so no that just kind of happened and then it wasn't till I started doing the press cycle for the album that I even realized that that theme was there throughout the whole album you know Mm -hmm. sometimes like um writing songs and writing albums leads me to learn more about myself than I had even known about myself where it's like oh I wrote this album and each song was influenced by a different story of my in my life and a different person but there's this overarching theme of body image and shit I didn't even realize I was doing that that's something I should talk about that's something I should think about more because it's obviously in there and it needs to come out definitely and like it's kind of nice that it's like serendipitous in that sense of like you know you learn these things about yourself as you're creating your art and even after the fact because that's got to be um something that can be a little bit cathartic for you I'm sure whenever you kind of realize this is what your art kind of realized yeah there's a lot of like aha moments where it's like (laughs) my brain is like you didn't think you were fucked up about this thing but like (laughs) you are and here's the proof (laughs) and like it's cathartic but also I feel like the word cathartic implies that there's a relief to it but Mm -hmm. there it doesn't usually feel like relief it usually feels like like oh like oh no like now I have to think about this and work on this you know Mm -hmm. And it leads to good things and it leads to good therapeutic moments for me. But like, there's a lot of struggle along that road to Oh, I'm, I'm to sure. There. And to be vulnerable enough to like, you know, when I talk about things that I'm so vulnerable about it, um, I'm also have a responsibility if I'm going to talk about my body and the size of my body. I also am speaking for so many other people mm-hmm. and I have to make sure that I'm saying the right thing and that I'm making it very clear that I'm talking about my experience and not everyone's experience. You know, there's just a lot of, you know, different things I have to be conscious of when I'm this vulnerable with my music because I'm trying to represent something and I need to make sure I'm representing it the best way that I can. Definitely. And I feel like uh, that's something that you accomplish really well in your music though, because it's a very well-rounded perspective. It's like, you're able to kind of address the highs and lows of any experience, whether it's in talking about your body or a relationship or anything along those lines, and they can be platonic or romantic, whatever. It's really nice that you're able to do that through your art 
just express the realities of these feelings and these experiences. And I feel like there is a really nice respect to people who do have a similar experience or the same exact experience. Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm saying what needs to be said in the way that it should be said, you know, mm-hmm. basically, if I'm going to write about those things as I apply to myself. Yeah. If it's not too personal, do you find yourself ever having conversations about these things to like people who are close to you to kind of like get feedback or get ideas of like, am I expressing this the right way? Sometimes. Yeah, I do like definitely when I was coming out as queer on Mm -hmm. the last album, I talked with some other queers (laughs) that I was friends with and talked about, you know, but also it's, they're not ever conversations that are about me and the album, but I'm just like hyper aware when I'm having conversations just about queerness in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if I'm having conversations about um, fat positivity in general and it's not that I'm never like hey guys I want to talk about myself with my music like can you is can you help me know what to say it's more that I'm like constantly very very aware of what my friends are saying and what people I respect are saying and I'm taking cues from them and I'm learning from them like how to go about that but no I'm never like asking people specifically for my own benefit how I should talk about something yeah because I mean you can have those conversations organically in that sense of like just learning about other people that matter to you in that sense and share a perspective or might have one that might lend to helping you have that awareness yeah and even like twitter is really great um (laughs) for that reason because i can just like just hear so many different perspectives on things and read so many people's takes on different things and learn from like people that i'll never meet which is like a really good group of people to learn from because those are the people that are going to listen to my music or something, you know? So. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. I think that's like one of the saving graces of social media is you can learn a lot from people you care about. Just It's good to their- educate yourself and yeah. to educate yourself on how to approach your own identity and how it relates to the identity of others. Um, that's been a very good tool with social media. Maybe the only good thing about social media. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's that's one of the reasons why I value it. There's so much you can gain from just like listening to other people's perspectives and like educating yourself on that. Yeah, for sure. I love that so much. And like, it's awesome because I feel like maybe that's something that's just inherent in your and how you approach creating art. But I felt like I was learning things listening to your music too, because some of it was stuff that was like super familiar to me and everything, but like just the way that you did it, I think just enlightened me even further. So like whenever I listened to like Aaron, first of all, that song made me cry, especially when I watched the music video, because it was just so beautiful. I love the way that you portray that relationship. And um, I know it's a real relationship for you, but just like that, just deep love was just gorgeous to hear. And I felt it through every single piece of that song. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that video was really special. Um, My friend Robert Claudney did it, and Mm -hmm. I did not expect him to go that hard, especially on that budget. (laughs) And he, and he, he did. And he, yeah, yeah, the video is something I'm very proud of and something I'm very grateful for and represents that song exactly how I wanted it to. Um, Yeah, I feel like that video is like the ultimate gift I got for this album. Um, but yeah, I mean, but that's like part of it is like finding, knowing who to talk to, 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 you know, portray that emotion Mm -hmm. in something. And like, I knew that he would do a good job with it. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. With that song. Yeah. It was about my partner and, and, uh, that, that, that song had the most conversation around it before, like I recorded it because, you know, my partner wasn't entirely out when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. And then over the year that I was producing the album and recording it and mixing it, you know, it takes a whole, it took a year basically between the time the song was written and the time was released for us mm-hmm. to like make sure that that was the right thing to do was like to release it and to record it. So that by the time that I recorded the song in the studio and knew that I was going to release it on the album, it felt like this achievement for him that I was like celebrating where I was like, Oh, he's like come so far that now he's ready to be out and he's ready for me to release this song about it. And I think that's where a lot of that emotion in the recording came from was being like, this is the victory lap for him and for us. Yeah. That's so special. Cause it's like, you're able to celebrate his victory, his ability to 
truly be himself. And you're also able to celebrate how you've grown in that relationship too. And like, I don't feel like it's easy to find music that's just that pure and that meaningful, that just to that depth. I mean, to be able to experience that with this person, to be able to share that and be able to do it in a way that is so artful and meaningful to both of you, as well as like an entire audience. There are people who probably hear this and just feel the impact of just being embraced and loved. That's just so powerful. Yeah, it's cool to see the effect that it's had. You know, it's like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, I wrote the song. And of course, I feel very powerfully about it because it's about the love of my life. And it's about, Mm -hmm. you know, something that was really consuming me for like a year. But then you just don't know, you know, you don't know what how people are going to react to things that are so personal. So it's always a really nice surprise. And it's the biggest reward to see that, like, my experience, even though it feels very much so my experience also can reach other people and they it's relatable i guess you know absolutely and that that was definitely a standout for me in the record as well as like um worthy too because i feel like that not only nodded into that kind of relationship in that sense that vulnerability that you express to somebody but you're also kind of showing your vulnerabilities and how you as a person are kind of embracing them as well. It's like you're able to kind of help others with theirs as well as your own. Um, Yeah, that was the song that was by far the most vulnerable for me Mm -hmm. because like, you know, Aaron, of course, was vulnerable, but it was on behalf of someone else. And this one was the one that I was like, damn, am I really going to write the line? Like, I think I hate my body. Like, am I really going to like say that and like put that weakness out there and like the night before I released it as a single I had like a big panic attack because I was like this is not I was like this is bad I was like this is not gonna feel good to like put this song out there and like um people aren't gonna get it or people are just gonna think that I'm whatever I don't know I just that's the one that was hardest for me to put out because it's like about this thing that is like the thing about myself that's been the hardest to be real about which is yeah. my body yeah and I think that every that that's such a universal feeling is anxiety about being that honest about yourself in the sense of like this is I'm gonna actually speak these the feelings that I feel and that was something that was so powerful to me was like the fact that you expressed how you were feeling and it's something that people can connect to and it's there's nothing wrong with any body type, but to be able to speak to insecurity is something that's so universal. And I thought it was just so powerful that you were able to speak to that universal feeling. Thank you. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I guess I didn't realize how, I mean, of course I did realize that it was universal because, you know, there's a whole billion dollar industry around getting people to change their bodies. That's thriving. But, you know, um, I just didn't really internalize the fact that it was universal until I saw people reacting to it, you know? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I felt was almost like hopeful to me in some extent is like, it's like, yes, you say things like, I think I hate my body, but till it's next to yours, I feel like that almost gave like a little bit of hope to it where it's like, you know, I may have days where I don't like something about myself, but there's that person who makes you feel like it's okay to be whoever you are, whatever you are. Yeah, yeah, there he is. He's he's here actually. He's in the other room right now playing <laughs> with, his, with his dog. And I'm just wondering if he's hearing me gushing about him in here, <laughs> but, like blushing. <laughs> That's wonderful, though, and that's special, and it's one of those things where you hear that, and it's like, you either think of that person who does that for you, or, you know, it gives you that hope that that person is out there, that you'll connect to them in some way, so that was just really beautiful that you were able to kind of confront this thing that can be a struggle for, I would say, all of us, and put that hope in there in that sense. Yeah, you know, that was just kind of my experience so that when it came out that way and when people were able to hear it that way, it was really, like, felt good to know that it, it was communicated the right way <laughs> and that people heard what I was really trying to say with that. Yeah, because I think the heart of it is just loving yourself and 
letting the people you love love you yeah that is what that song's about at its root I love it so much (laughs) thank you you. one of the things that kind of like stood out to me too in the record was kind of the spoken word portion where for um where we live that was so unique I don't hear that too often in music and it was really powerful the way that you kind of presented this like strong imagery of like I feel like uh, women confronting themselves and like um, felt like in many ways in society too the juxtaposition and everything Um, what made you decide to put this kind of type of art within the record well, um, it's not my poem, and it's okay. not my voice reading it, um, okay. to clarify. It's um, Melissa Lozado Oliva's poem. She okay. is a friend of mine who um, lived. I met while she was living in Boston, and then she moved to New York, and after she moved, actually, was when we got closer because she's a poet, and she published this book called Paluda that's amazing, mm-hmm. and um, I was just like, didn't fully know what I was missing until she left Boston, and then I was like, oh my god, this amazing poet had been living here this whole time, and like, we didn't even really connect, um, so then I started asking her to open for us at shows, um, because I personally, as a music listener, when I go to a show, I don't like to hear two bands that sound the same, like, I want to see some mix-up you know, so I started having her open for us at some shows, and then I was kind of, like, listening to a lot of the albums that I loved, like the SZA album, for Mm -hmm. example, and, um, you know, some other, like, the Solange album had, like, people, like, voicemails on them is kind of, like, a thing in, in music now, where, like, people have, like, really intimate personal moments with other people recorded on their albums, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to emulate that in my own way by like featuring Melissa and having her voice as like a break from my own on the Mm -hmm. record and also just because I wanted to showcase her in general because I think that she's an amazing artist and writer um and so I had had that guitar part that's playing behind her her poem I've had that guitar part for like four, four years and I'd been unable to place it in a song and write a song around the guitar part so then it kind of just like hit me when I was in the studio I was like what if I like asked Melissa to like read a poem over that guitar part and then I texted her and was like do you have any poems that you haven't used yet that are about like basically the violence of men Mm -hmm. and she was like how's this and like sent me a screenshot of that poem and I was like oh that's obviously completely perfect and the most amazing thing I've ever read and it would be an honor (laughs) and then she came in like the next day and we just did like three takes and recorded it and uh yeah, I, it's, I, I love that it worked out. Uh, I think it's really cool that, you know, she was down to do it. Yeah, her poetry is gorgeous. Like, I'm glad you shared her name with me because I want to find more of it. It was so impactful and important. I think the way that your music matched her voice and that poem itself, it was just instant chemistry. And that was just something where I was like, I was jamming to your record, like bobbing on, like, this is really good stuff. And then that just like sudden poem just hit out of nowhere. And I'm like, wow. And I kept chewing on it for like days because I loved it so much. And it was just so impactful. And it's really cool whenever I see these two arts just kind of fused together to be able to have that kind of impact on like listeners and stuff. So it's really cool. You were able to support another artist in that sense and get that, that moment in your record. I, I was really glad that it worked out for sure. I mean, I just like, you know, that's, that's the best part about being an artist that that's the biggest privilege about getting to work as an artist is getting to meet other amazing artists and getting to connect with people. And, um, you know, with poetry, like we had been, we'd had a couple of talks and we hung out and that business is just like so crazy and so hard. And I was like, damn, it would be really cool to like get Melissa involved in, my thing that I know for sure will have an audience and will be a good way to get her name out there. Mm -hmm. And also like she was already so successful. Like she had like a viral YouTube video of her performing this poem called bitches that you have to look up. And like, I know like Solange DM'd her about it and stuff. And like, I don't know. She was just like, she's clearly this amazing voice that everyone needs to hear. So if like I can do something that could get more people to know about her, like I absolutely should. (laughs) So I love that so much, and I love that there's more of that effort in independent music and independent art in general. It's just, like, finding ways to support each other in as many ways as possible, so it's really awesome you stuck that within the record, because that was a standout to me. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, like, especially 
just to 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 bring up this trope but like as as a woman in music no but like <laughs> we're we're really um i've felt a lot of pressure from this business to be competitive and mm -hmm. to resent other um people for their success and especially other women like i was there was a period of time when i was like on the last album that i was like felt myself resenting some other women in the business, but not feeling that way towards men. And that's when I had to stop myself and be like, why is this like evil in my brain? Like, where did this come from? Who planted this here? How do I uproot it and like throw it in the garbage? Yeah. And um, then that's kind of kind of when I was like, I just need to start collaborating with more women and, and, and realizing that that's the joy of this is like being an artist with other artists. So that's kind of what I wanted to showcase on this album and I had um some other people on the album I had Harmony from Girlpool sing some um backing vocals on the album and stuff oh, nice. and I, I just tried to get more people involved just so that I was like I want to create like a community around my music I guess especially because I'm a solo artist so I need to like make more friends <laughs> you know that's always great though and like I feel like you know women in particular we have this like weird thing we have to unlearn with the way that we've been pitted against each other since childhood and it's garbage. And it's, I love so much that so many of us now have begun to unlearn that and instead are focusing on building communities around each other and not just women, but you know, non-men, people of color, LGBTQIA, all of it. Like it's so important that we're doing this and I don't know, it just brings me joy and hope whenever I see more artists with that intention and bring it into their records or whatever they're working on. Yeah, me too. And I feel like indie rock is a genre that you don't see that in at all. Whereas mm -hmm. when you look at like hip hop albums and rap albums, like it's just like feature after feature and it's like collab after collab. And it's so something that I was like so amazed by, mm -hmm. you know, it was just like, you know, and that's kind of what I wanted to try to emulate because like in indie rock, you just don't see that level of collaboration at all, which is a, a shame. And I hope that there's more of it bring know. on the collabs come on <laughs> yeah i'm bringing on a collab this week the reason i'm in la right now is that i'm working on a super secret collab with someone Ooh. that oh. I'm sure you'll find out about soon <laughs> uh, i can't wait for that announcement that's yeah <laughs> i love so. that so much well we talked about so many great songs on your record i mean i could go on forever i mean from stick and poke to so much more uh but I want to hear from you, maybe what were some of the songs on the record that were like your favorite? What were ones that you enjoyed working on? Um, I think the one that I felt the most connection to as a recording and mm -hmm. as like a, a feat was Bullshit, that song Bullshit. Yeah. Um, because that one like started off the demo was like much faster and much more of a pop song. Yeah. And then my producer Gabe heard the demo and was like no no like we need to like slow this down like you need to like this song is not a pop song at its heart it's like a it's like a ballad at its heart you know and so it took some adjustments and it took a lot of work for me to like get the right vocal take and for us to like capture that vibe perfectly in the mm -hmm. way that we could and like we did like so many takes we tracked a lot of the instruments live for the album and um something really magical happened where the take we ended up going with i actually got my period during the take oh, like no. as we were recording it but in a good way yeah. it was like i had like yeah well it was just like that's how i knew that was the take i was like that's the <laughs> one <laughs> and then and then it took like 40 vocal takes to get it right which was like a, a nightmare in its own way but like i guess <laughs> what i'm trying to say in this long spiel is that that song took the most work Mm -hmm. And so that's the one I'm proudest of just because it took the most work. Well, that's so awesome because like, you know, you know that moment when you're really succeeding in a way that you maybe least expected or accomplishing something that, you know, you didn't anticipate was going to happen with that song or anything. So that's really awesome that you had that experience. That goes such a long way. Yeah. And it, it really paid off. It's like, it's funny. It's like, that's, that song wasn't a single, mm -hmm. but it's the most, it's the one that's um, quote unquote performing the best on the album where it's like the one that people are listening to the most, which is like so funny. And my producer actually texted me and was like, I told you so. He was like, that's the one that should have been the single. I'm like, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay. But it's funny how people can hear that 
you know, people, no, I, you can't hide that from people, you know? No, you can't. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like that just happens with so many songs on the record though. And I mean, whether the singles are, sometimes it's just the right one that resonates and stuff. And like, there's so many on the record. If you, if you or any of your team had asked me to pick a single, just listening to your record, I'm like, ah, they're all great. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> Thank about. Thank you. Thank like, you. Well, they're also different. So it was hard for us to pick singles because they, we just had to, you know, they're all so different that it was like, I needed, we needed to really think about what we wanted to put forth, you know, as, as an introduction to the album, because it was so dependent on what song we picked. Oh, um, I believe it. Cause it's know. like, you are literally like, I feel like when I listen to like Killer, that's like a badass like <laughs> anthem that I think I needed to hear and so many other people who've like been through some shit with really terrible people. And like, I, I felt like you were like my Western superhero for a bit. That's like, what I wanted to be. That's what I've always wanted to be. <laughs> you are, first of all. Like, Thurman and Kill Bill, but without like shitty Quentin Tarantino there. Yeah. Involved at all. Fuck him. No, <laughs> Yeah, none of him. <laughs> Only Uma. Only Uma. I like that attitude. But like, yeah, no, that that like seriously like translated to me where I'm just like I literally pictured every single like just badass take no bullshit like non man hero that I've ever seen and like you were that. Thank you. You're wow, on the list compliment. now. <laughs> yes. Now we just got to get me in some movies with like a cowboy hat, you know, and some sick clothes i don't know that's all i got i, don't I know would chip in for that guy. shit thank you i'm a really bad actress so i hope that that doesn't actually ever happen <laughs> <laughs> well, just for everyone's sake you, like a cowboy hat and you'll be set i have one i got oh, well not really a cowboy hat but i got this thing which it's is like it's I mean, it's like you know southern explorer i dig it yeah i just realized that we're on a podcast and people won't be able to see what i'm referring to but <laughs> it, it it's is a great hat y'all <laughs> it's like my steve irwin hat kind of actually it's more steve irwin than cowboy whatever we'll have to start you a collection <laughs> yes oh my gosh well we've talked about so much of your music and especially with black friday but i'm kind of wondering for you personally, what is something that you really want your listeners to get out of that record? Oh, um, I don't know. Just, I guess, like, that's, you know, that's the question that I always ask myself, too. Mm -hmm. And my answer, well, every answer to that question is going to sound cliche. <laughs> but, like, the answer that I really do feel the strongest about for that is that what I want people to get out of my album is exactly what they need for it. Mm -hmm. Like, I want people to hear it and whatever they needed to get out of it, if they get that out of the album, then I've succeeded. I don't think it needs to be, like, one thing. I'm not going to be, like, you need to love your body after you listen to this album, or, like, you need to be this and this and this. I just, like, need people to, like, um, respect themselves enough to, like, hear what they need to hear out mm -hmm. of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's, I love that, because so much of your record, I feel like, is about love, and that's, the best way to express love I feel like is respect yourself to that extent and yeah and I can't tell people how to be you know that's not what I'm trying to do I'm not trying to tell people how to be um I just think that people should be happy and, and confident and comfortable with themselves if they can and if what I do can get them there then that's crazy and great I love that so much and I think that you're definitely accomplishing that with this record that's for sure thank you <laughs> absolutely well one of the things i always like to ask my guests toward the end of a podcast episode it's a little bit of an exciting question um if you could play with any three artists or musicians they can be currently active or you bring them back from the dead who would it be okay well i just checked one of those off my list in real life this really? past weekend we played with the breeders nice. and so we played with kim deal so that would usually be my answer to that question but we actually made it a reality this weekend which is oh, crazy absolutely reeling um I guess other ones I mean Joni Mitchell you know she's she's deep there for me Elliot Smith you know those are probably the other two yeah dead or alive Prince mm -hmm. Prince too those are the three I got I love it. I love it so much. And like, I love hearing you say that you were able to cross somebody kind of off your list in that sense, because that's why I asked artists this question. It's with the hope that 
I will see them on these lineups at some point. And I have, and it's really exciting to see people just pursue this shit and see what they're capable of and what they can accomplish. So I'm super excited to see you continue to do all these awesome things. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Dolly Parton too. If I had to play with anyone too who is alive it would be dolly parton so dolly if you're if you're listening to this i would lose my shit if dolly was listening to my podcast because i'd be like okay first of all agent please call me (laughs) yeah 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 that would be the dream anyway that's that's now i'm getting carried away (laughs) that's like i'd retire if i got that guest kind of thing yeah i mean i almost retired after we played with the breeders i was like where is it going to go from here even (laughs) i was like what else what could be better than this nothing (laughs) <laughs> I know what you mean that's so awesome well congrats on that and I'm, I'm so excited for all that you're doing um what else do you have going on in 2019 and you mentioned this top secret project but um you got tours coming up I'm sure and all kinds of stuff yeah um we're doing an album release show on July 10th in awesome. New York and that's unfortunately the only show we have this summer but the reason for that is that we are going on tour with big thief in october we're doing the whole month with them from october to november and they're my favorite current band um Mm -hmm. and also good friends so that's going to be like i've i've been like counting the days that's going to be the dream and it's going to be so inspiring and we're hitting the whole country with them so that's going to be cool <laughs> i love that well that's yeah. so exciting everybody's got to make sure they grab tickets to that tour that's yeah like- soon the shows are close to selling out i'm pretty sure damn all right yeah. well get on it people, get on it, people. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so oh my gosh well it's been so awesome talking to you ellen where can everybody keep up with you on the internet um instagram uh just at palehound is probably i mean i'm on there you know more than i should be probably um you can see good pictures of my cat on there for sure um so i would say hit me up there twitter if you want to hear me going off about some gay shit sometimes (laughs) that's pretty much it facebook's dead so whatever fuck facebook Thank you. I've been saying that for ages and I know a lot of people are still looking at me like I'm out of my mind, but I'm like, sorry, I'm done with it. No, it's over. It's done. It's dead. (laughs) I love it. Well, you know what? We're just going to have to keep hanging out here on Twitter and stuff. And I love everything that you're sharing out there. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Music and your life and everything. Thanks so much.
just heard Pale Hound. Thank you so much to Ellen for joining this week, and thank you to Sarah for helping arrange it all. Black Friday is such a meaningful record for Pale Hound personally and musically, and it was exciting to explore it directly with Ellen not too far from when the record dropped. It was really special and meaningful for me, too. So please be sure to check out Black Friday and stay tuned for these awesome live shows this fall. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, feels, or just all the podcast episodes, please visit angrygirlmusic.com. I'm always picking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me links to your work, and let's chat. Till next time, stay angry, and see how you can collaborate with other creatives in independent music. Bye for now.